We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live. Welcome to the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Dostro. I'm not John Fanta. Uh, he had to cancel last minute. Bill Raftery invited him out to dinner. And uh, <laughs> I think that I think that that's probably the right decision tonight. I'm joined by my partners in crime, Clemson's own Terrence Oglesby, my co-host on the Doster T.O. and Fanta podcast and former Murray State and Iowa State head coach. Steve Prone, we have a loaded show on the slate. We're going to be diving headfirst into this Baylor-West Virginia game once it ends. We're going to be talking through whether or not there are any elite teams in the Big 12 this season, and we're going to be previewing Tuesday's action, specifically that matchup between Texas Tech and Texas. You're not going to find a better environment in college basketball this season than that game. But before we do all of that, Duke won again. They beat Notre Dame, who was in second place, in the ACC coming into the night, uh, 57 to 43. Um, they allowed 14 points in the first half. Paolo Bancaro finished with 21 points and nine boards. Mark Williams was an absolute monster defensively. And once again, AJ Griffin looked like the best complimentary player in college basketball. So T.O., you're an ACC guy at heart. I'm going to you first on this one, man. What do you make of this Duke team? It told me a lot, but more than anything, it told me that they can win ugly. And that's something that you have to do whenever you're playing in the NCAA tournament or you're playing in the ACC tournament where you're playing uh, the third game in three days or something of that nature. Like if you can win ugly when the shots aren't always falling, that's significant. And they did a defensive masterpiece against a Notre Dame team that has a lot of weapons. And you mentioned some guys, A.J. Griffin. You mentioned Paolo Bancaro. Probably second most important player on that team is Mark Williams. And every time I see that young man play, I'm blown away. He did some things today offensively that we haven't seen a whole lot. He got the ball at the top of the key, drove right, defense converges. He dishes off for a wide-open dunk. He just continues to impress. It took him a while. This is a guy that's a sophomore now. Last year, he kind of needed to get into the fold. Back half of last year, he started to play really well. This season, he is their most important piece on the defensive end of the floor. That guy has really developed into one of the premier defenders, not only in the ACC, 
but in the country because he just covers so much ground with his length and athleticism. I'm going to give the listeners a little peek behind the scenes. T.O. has been raving about Mark Williams for probably the last two hours on our group chat, uh, getting ready for tonight's <laughs> show. So I, I'm surprised that you cut it that short. I mean, you only went about 90 seconds on that uh, that little speech about Mark Williams. But, Steve, he's he's not wrong. Mark Williams is definitely a different ma- difference maker uh, for that Duke team. Yeah, he is. Anytime you can put somebody around the rim on both ends of the floor that, that can compete, finish plays, but also change plays uh, for the other team, you know, and make plays around the rim and you have that protective – enforcer it, it makes your defense that much better and and like what Tio said anytime you go on the road because this was a big game for Notre Dame when you look at their wins they beat Kentucky you know they beat North Carolina okay and now you got opportunity to beat Duke uh, and you know obviously huge environment big game and Duke goes in there and wins double figures and holds them in the, to the 40s you know that's that's huge and that says a lot and it's winning different ways but I think Duke when you look at the impact A.J. Griffin's had as well, as he's gotten healthy uh, and he's found his niche in that team. You heard Coach Krzyzewski was at the press conference the other day just talking about the leadership of A.J. and how he's impacted that team. I think it's been really, really big for that group. How, how hard is it? Did you ever have to incorporate somebody that ended up being that significant of a piece this late in the year? It, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. No, it's not. Um, not, you know, we've had guys, you know, in the past that, you know, you play for a while, you get hurt, and then you come back. Uh, but, you know, he was out, and now he's really taking, you know, kind of full speed, going full speed now, and now he's healthy. But it's not easy to do because you have chemistry going, uh, because you're obviously very talented. But I think, uh, you know, the character of the team, the leadership of Coach Chesky has been huge, and that's why they're top of the ACC right now. Um, and got a chance, obviously, to win the ACC. Well, it speaks to maturity. It speaks to the maturity of the kid, too. I mean, look at the beginning of the season. You know, we went through Champions Classic. He played a couple of minutes, but he didn't really make a profound impact on the game. And he's gotten progressively better and better and better and better. And now we're seeing peak A.J. Griffin, and he turns him into a legitimate national title contender because he's a knockdown shooter from three. He's somebody who's physical enough to guard multiple positions. That's a big dude, and he can really shoot the basketball. And here's another thing, too. Goes five for five from three against Louisville. Turns around, only takes two threes at Notre Dame and still manages to pick up points. That says a lot about his maturity. He didn't force something that wasn't there. I'm going to be honest with you, Steve. If I went five for five from three in one game. game. I'm going 15 to 17 threes next game. You already know what this is about before the game even starts. Can I, can I clarify something here? There is no (laughs) chance that T.O. would ever go five for five in a game because as soon as he hit two in a row, you know, the first time he touches it on that next possession, that shot's going up. So there's there's never there. There's never going to be a 5-0 night from T.O. You can look through. I I guarantee if you look through every single box score of every game that you play in your life, (laughs) there's there's no 5-for-5 nights, man. You got to shoot until you miss. It's the heat check, baby. That's it. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at his stats. And he had – what did he end up with? 13 tonight. You know, and his minutes have just progressively gone up. Kentucky, he plays 11 minutes. Campbell, six minutes. Ohio State only played two minutes. As you get further and further down the season – you talk about implementing him, uh, Coach Prom, like, and how that's been difficult. A lot of it depends on the kid, too. Yeah. And I think a lot of this 
is it says if I'm if I'm an NBA draft guy and I'm looking at this, I'm like, hey, man, this kid is willing to do what's best right like right now, maybe not for the short term, but for the long term. That's a big piece. Yeah. That's and, a significant and I, and I piece. You, you touched on the maturity standpoint. I think yeah. just being in a basketball family, growing up in a basketball mm-hmm. family, I think that's huge because he's seen it. He understands it. He's been coached, taught not only the game, but how to handle adversity, how to handle different situations. And then he's playing, you know, for, you know, arguably, you know, the, the greatest basketball coach of all time. You could you could make an argument for a couple of coaches, obviously, but you know, without question, that helps as well. You know, the other is kind of sub story or, you know, the undercard story that is obviously it's Coach Chesky's last year. And then Mike Bray, you know, being his former assistant, winning two national championships together. Um, Mike Bray really getting his start from Coach Chesky. That had to be a surreal moment for both of those guys, especially Coach Bray, when you look down and say, this is the end. You know, this is the last time I'm going to compete. And their embrace, and I didn't see the end when they embraced or before the game, that had to be a special moment. And obviously something probably that shared in between them. But, you know, there's a, you know, he hired Mike Bray as an as assistant from the Matha. And they win two national championships together. Now he goes on and Mike's had a phenomenal career. You know, both Mike's. Is that how he got Johnny Dawkins back in the day, hiring Mike Bray? Mike came in 87, and so Dawkins was there before. You know, Dawkins was already there. He, he came in uh, after – So the, he, re- he recruited Johnny Dawkins to get Mike Bray on his staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's usually that, how that works. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, let me ask you guys this about Duke because I do think – you made a point, T.O. Um, they were able to win ugly. And, and one of my knocks on Duke the last couple of weeks has been – uh, you know, I, I want them to be elite defensively. I want to be able to look at them and say that is a throwback Duke team that is going to force turnovers. It's going to overplay. It's going to be a nightmare to play against. And they've they've been good, but they haven't been the level that I expected. But I, I thought tonight was the best defensive performance that they've had in maybe maybe an ACC play altogether. Tia, what, what what is it? What are, what are you missing? What are you missing there for them to be that elite? team what is it the energy what what is it there because i'm curious because to me they have all the pieces and they can guard everybody the only small guy that they They put out there is jeremy roach my 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 issue is that they they have all the pieces but then why do we see nights like florida state who lights them up and florida state all due respect to them they've not been great why do we see nights where uh, miami is able to get whatever they want against this duke defense you know what i mean so the the pieces are there how come this is the first time that we've really seen it happen? Is it just because they went up against a Notre Dame team that doesn't have the same level of athlete that Duke does? I just – I want to see more consistency there from them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And the, the teams that you just mentioned are, are, are teams that can break you down off the dribble by themselves. They don't require any mm-hmm. ball movement. And I think that's a significant piece too. If you look at Miami, Isaiah Wong and Kim Augusti, they can make things happen and make tough shots. And then when you make a couple of tough shots, things start to open up. Charlie Moore for Miami, he can get downhill and do some of those same things. Now, what really makes this team intriguing is if Mark Williams can stay on the floor, and I know I'm beating a dead horse with this one, if he can stay on the floor, you saw the difference he made against Louisville. As soon as he checked out of the game against, I think they were up 24-11, 26-11. He checks out because he gets two fouls. That's when Louisville gets back in the game. Second half, he gets his third early. They're starting to make a run. He gets his third. He sits down. Louisville gets back into it. He's such a crucial piece. And I love Theo John. I love the energy he brings to this Duke team. 
but you need him for 10 minutes a game, max. He's not more he's not than Mark that. Williams. He's no, not Mark more Williams. than that. Uh, you love that physicality. You love that Steven Adams type approach where I'm going to come in and be the tough guy because I got some young guys I'm playing behind. I'm going to come up and mix it up a little bit. You love that. But he's not the rim protector that Mark Williams is. That dude is an absolute difference maker. And he's showing some offensive ability, too. Like, he's so big around the rim. He's been able to put it on the floor a little bit. He's a he's a vertical spacer, somebody who can catch lobs and finish. Big you know Mark what he Williams does? guy. Big you know what he does better than I realize? He can move his feet a little bit. Like he's he not, really can. He's not. You're, you're not going to switch him onto point guards and feel comfortable about it. But he can. You want him to hedge hard. He can do it. You want to play him and drop. He's going to keep somebody in front of him and kind of growl that dribbler, Steve. Uh, this is the field of 68 after dark. We are live on Sirius XM channel 84, the ESPNU station. If you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Twitter, please leave a comment. Ask us a question. We are monitoring the end of this Baylor West Virginia game. Uh, Baylor is up 70 to 69. Right now on the Mountaineers, uh, Steve, I want to hit you on this. Um, who we know that Duke is probably the favorite to win the ACC, and they're probably a favorite to win the national title. I think right now our partners over at Bet Rivers have them uh, as the second best team. They're they're eight point five to one to win the national title right now. After them, who do you think the best team in the ACC is overall? Is it North Carolina? If you just said talent, but I, li- I like Miami. I just I think their guard plays really good. Uh, T.O. just mentioned them. Uh, I think Jim Leonard Nag obviously is a veteran coach as well. I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. We talked about them a couple weeks ago, but McGusty and Moore and, and Wong, those guys have been really good, uh, and they've won big games. And really they're, you know, Florida State two, two last-second losses, right, from being 10-0 and 0 in the ACC. You know, and one of them was the questionable call at this. You know, they got beat at home. Florida State went in there and handled them. I know the game came down at the end. But at Florida State, that's a tough call. But I would say Miami. Obviously, Carolina is very talented when you just look at the the names and the the way they were recruited and different things like that. But to me, it's Miami. Um, You know, and obviously, I think, you know, Wake Forest has – Steve Forbes has done a great job with Wake Forest. But uh, Miami's my number two team. I'm right there, too. I think Miami's number two. North Carolina just doesn't guard consistently enough. Now, this game on Saturday coming up, they'll play They'll play Duke. And I've already went on a little bit of a rant on North Carolina because I, I get frustrated with their inconsistency. And let's be, let's be clear. The ACC is better. Let it out, T.O. Let the it ACC out. I know, is I, I know you're fired up, man. Let it I'm out. I'm fired up. It, yeah, it, it irritates me that we're just giving North Carolina like they're their <laughs> second best team like they're not yeah i think you got to go earn it though you know at some point you, you do go earn it. at we some point you gotta it. go earn it keep saying it but at some point you gotta win the game you gotta well win here's the game. here's here's the thing too yeah. and it irritates me and this is a thing that goes for a long time up, baby let's go all right so this irritates me too two years ago whenever cole anthony was on that team carolina had two all-conference players and they were dead last in the conference that shouldn't happen and it continues to happen yeah, so Clemson that irritates carolina me. have always had a little a little little uh yeah, but I mean, it's part of it. But like, you need to you need to earn second best. Like Miami's earned that right now. Like Wake Forest is right there too. I know they got thumped by Syracuse, but Wake Forest Wake Forest has earned that. Carolina, I'm not sure they've earned it. What do they have to do I, I, I to earn think. it? Then let me let me ask you guys this. So what what does North Carolina have to do to earn it in your minds? Not be okay, Scott. Take it, take it not not be the Scott Farkas of the ACC. You guys know who Scott Farkas is? Have you seen a Christmas Story? Have you seen a Christmas story, Steve? Okay, so Scott <laughs> Farkas is the one that got the tongue stuck on the pole. 
No, he's the one who would pop out of the woodworks and whoop <laughs> kids' ass whenever, like, whenever, like, the kid wouldn't fight back. As soon as the kid fights back, Scott Farkas is gone for the rest of the movie. He is out of here. As soon as somebody punches North Carolina back in the mouth, they disappear. North Carolina right now is the Scott Farkas of the ACC. I don't want to hear any different. That that is actually that is actually a great comparison, To and I I don't think You're I could welcome. possibly love it more. And I'll tell you what. They would not, they would not survive in East Tennessee, would they? No, not one of them. <laughs> I think they'd the be ACC, more talented. Yeah, yeah, they've got a great slate of games that are going to kind of move the knee a little bit. Obviously, this weekend you got Carolina Duke, but you got Miami Notre Dame the middle middle of the week. I think Wednesday, mm -hmm. and then you got Wake Forest, Florida State. So I think those are three big big games in the ACC you have in front of you this huge week. Games. Huge games. If Carolina wants weekend. to move it's the needle, it's a huge weekend in the ACC title race. If the it, Carolina it, wants to move the needle, they need to beat Duke at home, and and mm -hmm. say, all right, this is this is our ceiling. This is what we can be. Um, if they get beat, they go to you know seven and four. I know they've got a midweek game, so I don't know what they would, you know, win or lose there. But uh, it's a big game for Carolina Saturday for sure. Well, listen, uh, Matthew Meyer has kind of taken his game over a little bit, and Baylor is now up 77 to 73 with 25 seconds left on West Virginia at home. It looks like they're going to close it out. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you why, despite this win, there are no elite teams in this year's Big 12. Clear for 90. All right. If you're in the chat right now on YouTube, please drop us some questions. I have a couple here. First and foremost, from Jordan, T.O., I'm giving you this one. Give me a dark horse to win the national title. you got 15 seconds. Let's go. Uh, Arizona. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. There's so many good teams. Who would really, really qualify as a dark horse? I think Baylor right now because they're injured. So Baylor could be a dark horse because they're struggling because <laughs> their guards are injured. Like, who's who's really a dark horse at this I point? Would, I would say Wisconsin because they're, they're a little bit off the beaten path a little bit. But uh, um, I don't know if good. there is necessarily one. So let me ask you this, then, from, uh, from Kendrick Washington. What does UConn have to do to be considered a national title contender? I think they have to go recruit another point guard. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you probably should take that question because you follow UConn daily. You're you, uh, you know, I, I just I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah, I, yeah, they just they need they need more point guard play, and they need Jordan Hawkins. To, they need Jordan Hawkins to be like sophomore level, yep. junior level Jordan Hawkins. All right, last one. You guys, you each gotta you each gotta make a decision on this one. How bad is Duke? Going Twenty to seconds. Beat? It's from DFW eighty nine. How bad is Duke going to beat the Tar Holes on Saturday? <laughs> they go. They win. They win double figures. Now whether that's ten or whether ten that's seconds. fifteen, they win double figures in Chapel Hill. Uh, I don't know. Anything can happen. Five. Both teams can be awful and it still work out. What is your guys' opinion of Chris Beard? Traitor. It wasn't about him leaving. It was about how he left. He's a traitor. Essentially tried to, to, I mean, destroy the program. This is the biggest game of the year. Guys. You could lose every other game. This what is your guys' you opinion? If you went one in 30. Traitor. It wasn't about him leaving. It was about how he left. He's a traitor. Essentially tried to, to, I mean, destroy the program. This is the biggest game of the year. Guys. You could lose every other game. This is oh, yeah. the game you have to win. Sure. If you went one in 30, but you beat Beard, you might be oh, happy. This is a great <laughs> what do you think you're going to do when you first see him come out on the floor? Yeah, I don't think it'll be good. <laughs> it'll, it'll be good. What percentage of, of the people in there do you think are going to cheer for Chris Beard tomorrow? Less than 1%. Yeah. Wow. I think that's high. 
I think it'll be zero. Your reaction when, when Chris Beard's going to come out tomorrow on the court is going to be what? Um, I'm probably pretty upset. Are you going to yell bad things at him? There is a possibility. I got to say there is. Your mom and dad are not going to be happy. My mom and dad are not going to be happy. I definitely don't feel bad for him. Give me one word to describe Chris Beard. Traitor. Traitor. Right? Traitor. Traitor. Ugly. Oh. Oh. Ugly. Oh Dang. God. That's brutal. The hatred that we have for Texas here is, yeah. is why? An why? Oh, because Texas is this like high academic snooty Man, school. Those guys in Lubbock are fired up. This is the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Doss. I have Terrence Oglesby and Steve Prome with me. You can find us Sirius XM channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're streaming on YouTube. So make sure you jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We'll be answering those during commercial breaks. Uh, and we will be, uh, we will be interacting with you guys there. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and make sure that you Listen to the Goodman and Humble podcast. That's what we clipped what you just heard from. Jeff Goodman right now is in Lubbock going through what they call Raiderville. He's throwing out candy bars with Mark Adams. He's uh, waiting for the bus. He's asking all the students why they are so mad at Chris Beard. And it seems like, Steve, there's a little bit of hatred for uh, for their former coach down there in Lubbock. And I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why they're mad because he's the reason why they actually care about that program is it is it just as simple as that yeah I think at the end of the day it's just you know because he left um I think Tubby Smith first of all did a, did a terrific job I think you know he took them to the tournament I think they were in the eight nine game a couple years back against Butler uh and then obviously Chris came in and and really raised raised the level raised the you know student body awareness the fan base awareness uh the environment in, in Lubbock totally changed and the expectations in Lubbock totally changed uh, and it became, you know, one of the toughest places to play in college basketball and one of the toughest places to play in the Big 12. You know, well, what's unfortunate as a coach, when you leave a school, especially after you've had great success, you do want to be, I don't know if the word's revered, but you do want to be welcome back. And I know there's a lot of hard feelings, but he did a lot of good for that program as well. I mean, you talk about Elite Eight, you talk about Final Four. You know, Mark Adams came with him from Little Rock. And Mark's going to do a phenomenal job there in Lubbock. He's an elite coach. He's won his whole life. And so I think both both places have the situations they want. Texas wanted Chris Beard. You know, Chris wanted to be the head coach of Texas. And Mark Adams is a West Texas guy, you know, loves Texas Tech. And he's going to be there, you know, for a long time. And uh, tomorrow night's really, to me, about substance over hype. There's a lot of hype to this game. Both coaches, I think, the way they run their program, there's a lot of substance there because they're defensive-minded, they're toughness, they're fundamentally sound. The substance is going to win out. Like we talked off air, you just hope it doesn't get crazy to where something, yes. you know, takes away from the game. Let those yeah. guys compete. They're going to give Coach Beer holy heck, but do it, you know, to where we can still have a great, great college basketball environment because that's what, you know, that's what – college basketball is about is the environment yeah I, I just hope that it stays something that we can celebrate right if it's crazy and it's loud and they're screaming at Chris Beard even if they're cussing at him I don't really care hold up hold up your middle finger make signs with uh with with words that would get your mouth washed out with soap if you were back at back in the house I, I don't I don't care about any of that don't throw stuff on the court don't go after the players if you win and yep. storm the floor stay away from the team Go celebrate with your team. You don't have to go with the other team. You don't have to go to Chris Beard. Flip him off. I don't think he really cares. Well, he probably does care a little bit about it, T.O., but um, I, I I just hope that you don't go across that line where it becomes, okay, yeah. 
this is a problem. He's the same guy you revered in March, you know, and then at the end of March, now everything's changed. And so, uh, but that's, that's fans, you know, fans, you know, fanatics, you know, they love their school and obviously and there's look, a rival. I, I kind of, I, I understand. I think it's, it's I think it's bit. more, I think it's more than just Chris Beard left. It's where he left for. Yeah. That's yes. what I mean. I know there's a Texas, yeah. Texas tech. I was getting to that, the rivalry piece. That, yeah. That's what bothered. If it goes to Arizona, they're probably. Yeah. Okay. Probably don't think they probably don't yeah. think much about it. The, the last guy that spoke in that segment is the guy who stuck out mm-hmm. to me. He goes, y'all think y'all think you just all this money in Austin, Texas and, and all that stuff. And, and, People have called Texas Tech the little brother. I think they're like the the, the four wheeling cousin that shows up with like a Jeep and really big wheels like that's or a truck with really big wheels on it. That's Texas Tech. I don't want to belittle them by calling them little brother. This is a rugged fan base. This is a lot of what this is a passionate fan base. They're just a little have a little bit more edge than Texas fans like. I've said this before, so it's not like I'm just coming out of nowhere and saying this. I, I feel like a lot of people, a lot of Texas fans, a lot of Texas boosters feel like you could just throw $100 million at something and just fix it. And that's not how this stuff works. At Texas Tech, you're not going to get as much money. You're still going to get a lot of money. Like, you're still going to get a lot of money, obviously. That practice facility is nice now. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. Like, you're still going to get a lot of money, but you're not going to get Texas money. I think that's fair to say. No question. Yeah. No. But I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about what Beard was able to do at Texas Tech, because I think that he, he deserves credit for building that program into what it was. Now, look, Steve, you coached against Tubby when he was at Texas Tech. Um, they were they were winning games when Tubby Smith was there. That's part of the reason why he was able to get the Memphis job uh, when he left. But it wasn't the same thing as it was when, when Chris really got it rolling. Like it's the it's just the environment was different going into that yeah, building. Yeah, the environment is totally different. I mean, Tubby had good teams. Uh, I played Tubby our first year uh, at, I, at Iowa State. And I'm trying to th- – yeah, my first year. And then our second year was uh, was Beard had gotten there. But the environment just wasn't crazy. Now, when you go to Texas Tech now, the fans are right on top of you. The student section's there early. You know, they're yelling, screaming. They're into it. And they expect to win. And it's really, really loud. It's It's – it's top three right now. I know we were talking about this off air, and I may be hitting this a little bit early. It's top three environment in the Big 12. It's top so three. I'd, rank I'd put it rank at three. Rank them right now. Putting you on okay. the spot. Let's do it. Kansas 1A, uh, Iowa State 1B, and then three is, uh, is Texas Tech. Now, Oklahoma State, and I never played in Oklahoma State when they said back in the day uh, before they raised the, the, the ceiling there, raised the roof there, they say that was probably top three. But there's no question. Right now, I think those are the toughest, three toughest places, <laughs> best environments uh, in the Big 12. K-State's good, can be good. West Virginia can be, you know, really good. But night in, night out right now, you know, when Hilton is – Hilton's special now. Kansas is Kansas, and Texas Tech has become phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, I, I – it, it really has. And I think that part of what makes it – part of what makes it so crazy there. And part of the reason why um, Mark Adams has been so successful there is that th- there is no like basketball or there is no football school to kind of uh, follow the way that they want to be able to follow. You need something good to kind of get these fans inspired. I think that's why we're seeing Auburn fans flock to uh, the program that Bruce Pearl has built there. Right. It's part of why when Clemson 
basketball gets really good and maybe Clemson football's in a down year. That's why you see the Clemson fans go nuts, right? That's, a, that's how it was when I played. Like whenever Bowden, it was his last year and then Dabo took the job and there was like this little spell where Clemson football wasn't great and then we were good. I mean, we weren't great, but we were, you know, top 20 in the country for two years that I was there. Like that's when all the energy can happen to kind of allude to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it does get crazy in that building. I, I'll tell you this much. I know I, I knew it was going to get insane because I was told uh, by a source close to that Texas Tech program that they had to one hire 30 police officers to be able to provide security <laughs> for beard in that building. And two, during the offseason, knowing that this game was going to happen, they had to find a different way for Chris Beard to exit the court so that he doesn't have to normally Steve, right? The, the, vis, the visiting coach has to walk by the student section to leave. They had yeah. to find a way for him to get out on the other side of the floor and still get back to the locker room because they were worried about him walking through the student section. Yeah. You've got to walk. When you leave your bench, you're walking in front of the student section to get back to your tunnel, to get to your locker room. And so they, they probably had to go back around or send him the other way um, to get over there uh, from that standpoint. But you know, the one thing I think that gets – and this may be off the subject of the game, but, you know, everybody talks Chris Beard and Mark Adams, and now they're leading two really good programs and both phenomenal coaches. Sometimes it can just be, hey, they were great for each other, and let's leave it at that. You know what I mean? I think they both helped each other, you know, an astronomical amount. They both were really good for each other. They had some phenomenal moments together from we played them in the tournament to go to the Sweet 16 when they were at Little Rock. Uh, my first year at Iowa State, they had a great team, won 30 plus games. And then they went to an Elite Eight and Final Four together. And and now, I mean, tomorrow night, yeah, everybody's going to watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, shoot, Ric Flair's going to be there. I mean, we yeah, grew up and, on Ric Flair. Woo! Yep. And, and for the <laughs> people, the people that are just joining now, uh, Baylor just knocked off West Virginia. Um, so we are the field of 68 after dark. My name is Rob Dosser. I have with me Clemson sharpshooter Terrence Oglesby and former Iowa State head man Steve Prome. We're talking a little bit about Chris Beard and Mark Adams and that Texas Texas Tech showdown that we are going to get tomorrow night at nine o'clock. Um, I, I, I'll tell you guys this. Uh, I, I, I think that part of why Texas Tech fans are so bent out of shape is because Chris Beard wanted Mark Adams to come with him to Texas. He tried hard to get him to be one of the assistant coaches on his staff. And Mark Adams kind of shot his shot, right? Like there was no guarantee that he was going to get that Texas Tech job. And what he said was, I'm going to try. This is basically the one chance that he has to be a Big 12 head coach. He's 64, 65 years old. And he said, I'm just going to roll the dice. If it means I don't end up on your staff next year and I don't have a job, then it means I don't end up on your staff and I don't have a job. But he, he went for it, and part of the reason he got it is because uh, the players, some of the – Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCullough, some of those guys were like, we want to play for Mark Adams. Um, I know Jeff Goodman uh, was not the biggest fan of the hire. Um, how is he going to get players? How is he going to be able to I – mean, you guys know how, how, how Jeff is with some of the yeah. stuff. But um, Mark Adams can, can coach his ass off, and he built a roster of dudes that just fit what Texas Tech – uh, they fit Lubbock. They fit the, the blue collar, blue collar ethos of that school, of that city. Um, they kind of fit into what the program was when Beard first really got it going. A bunch of guys that are going to go out there and win the fight and then worry about winning the basketball game after that. 
They have 19 guys that are six foot six and switchable and strong and look like they probably should be playing tight end on the football team. They switch everything. They play that no middle defense. Steve, let me ask you this. We got about a minute before we have to get to break here, but how, how difficult is it to go up against that no middle defense? That's not something that a lot of people do, right? No, I, and I think the Big 12 is a lot of people have started doing that. You know, Baylor does it now. Um, you know, Iowa State started that this year, you know. Uh, but – and then Texas obviously does it, you know, with, with, with Beard. But it's very difficult to go against, especially in a small amount of prep time. I think the biggest thing in that standpoint, if you're going to do a lot of ball screens, you got to play in the middle third of the floor. Uh, there's a couple actions that you can run. What, what Mark does such a good job is you have your couple ATOs, your couple things that you prep that, hey, we can, we can hurt them for their early help on the baseline. They do a great job of adjusting, so then your guys need to make the next read. But it's very, very difficult. Uh, You've got to be fundamentally sound going in there uh, and playing them because the way they draw charges, uh, because their activity on the ball, because of their switching, the ball can't die. And you're going to get – shots on the backside and you got to be shot ready and you got to knock them down. And, you know, hopefully, you know, if Texas is going to go in there, you know, when they, when they penetrate and they move that ball around that backside, Andrew Jones, Courtney Ramey, they got to make threes over there in that backside corner. All right. I need you guys to both give me a pick right now, putting you on the spot. Texas is playing at Texas tech. It's nine o'clock tip tomorrow in Lubbock to who's winning the game. You got to tell me right now. I don't know the spread, but I'm going Texas Tech even with it. The the spread is not officially out yet. Last that I checked, I will look up right now. Uh, Prome, who you got? Yeah, I've been going back and forth, but but you know, as a coach, you start thinking about, hey, there's at some point you got to go on the road and win a big time game, you know, where nobody thinks you can win it and make a statement, um, you know. So I'm going to take Texas tomorrow night, go in there and play really, really well. Uh, fight off the emotions. They got to fight. They got to fight the fight early, but I'm going to take Texas to go in there and win. Wow. <laughs> You're going with Texas. I, so you, you said you've been going back and forth. I've been going back and forth on whether or not I think Texas Tech is going to win by 15 or 25. I just think that that environment – you're, you're walking – Hornet's Nest is uh, is probably too kind for what you're walking in there. It's going to be the seventh level of hell for the Texas players when you walk into that building. And I just think it's going to be too much. I think Texas Tech, that is a team that thrives on energy. And there's going to be more energy in that building than I think any other building outside of maybe Coach K's last game. At, there, there, at there's no point. I tell you what, the referees are going to have to be on it because that <laughs> game is going to be yeah. physical. They're going to have to be, be, be sharp tomorrow night. Those three guys, and I don't know who the crew is, but they're going to have to be sharp. But the one thing, because of all the emotion and I, and I saw a clip from Marcos Santos Silva, he did a phenomenal job in the press conference the other day after they beat Mississippi state, when they were asking about this game, Hey, it's the next game. I love coach beard. I appreciate what he did for me. But it's, this is a conference race, too. And for the coaches, yes. it's a conference game. It's a huge game, okay? It's not Beard Adams, what those guys are thinking. It's we got to win this conference game. We're trying to well, play for a conference championship. 
I, I think there's more to it than just them thinking that, okay, we got to play for the, that, that shirt. That, I'm, I'm sure that's in their thoughts, but I guarantee that's going to be more. If it's yeah, just Mark Adams, it, you know what? He might actually be the kind of guy that's wired to only say, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a regular game. I, yeah. I, I not even realize anything yeah. else is going but on. I think it can impact Tex kids just as much because the thing's going to be so wild and there's going to be a lot of pressure on those players as well. Now. I mean, T.O. knows that. I mean, it's it's more pressure sometimes playing at home in big games than it is on the road. On the road, you should be loose, man. Let it let it let it fly, man. And take it media timeout to media timeout, weather the storms. Texas has to do a great job when they've struggled, like going to Iowa State, when they struggle, they turn the ball over a ton. They got to take care of the ball. The thing against Texas Tech, Texas Baylor, no middle defenses. You got to get a good shot every time down the floor. All right, you can't let poor offense turn into good offense for them, and then you got to take care of the ball. And that's that's the biggest thing. It's going to be a great game. You know, Lubbock's a fun place to play, and the only one that got to go was Goodman, and he's there for like three days. Yeah, but we just leave him down there. He could he could stay in Lubbock. <laughs> I'm surprised they're being so nice to him. He's in people's tents. Yeah, I know. He, I, did I was... did they know he said Mark Adams? I mean, Mark Adams has won his whole life, and he doesn't think he can get it done. <laughs> I'm like, holy smokes. I saw that one day. I was like, man, I'm going to wait till I get in here and bust his balls about that. Yeah, Goodman Goodman doesn't – he wouldn't know good coaching from his left shoe. So, uh, I'll leave it at that. All right, anyway, you mentioned that we're in the middle of a Big 12 conference race. When we come back coming up next, we're going to be breaking down that Big 12 conference race. And I'm going to tell you why Baylor doesn't really have all that much to worry about. Big picture. Clear for 90. Yeah, T.O., we were we were waiting to get to the break, but I was texting with uh, with with Denton and Greg, our, our producer, the people listening. I was like, Prohm's rolling right now. I'm not stopping this man from yeah. talking about this. Yeah, was, he, got, he was he was in a zone, baby. He was like T.O. and he's five for five in a game. That was a heat check right there. All right. We do have some up. questions. The first one is from David. I love this question. Uh, how how gone is Fanta right now if he's out with Raftery on a scale of one to ten? I just hope his chair doesn't break. <laughs> his chair his chair doesn't need to break with with Raff. he's around some big time company now like raftery like he's got the call with jerome lane breaking the backboard one minute you know he's got onions he can't break his chair because he's a full bottle of wine you know merlot in <laughs> so i would assume I, I would assume several deep because apparently that's a big part of the meeting yeah um all right so uh this is from Nick. Um, should John Calipari get consideration for national coach of the year? We got about 30 seconds here, so be quick on this one. No, I think there's other guys that deserve it more. He, he obviously has an extremely talented uh, roster, but I, I want to – Shaka Smart deserves it. I think Kelvin Sampson needs some consideration. And then you the can just kind of – Yeah, and my main man, Ed Cooley, he 20. deserves it too. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's several. Tommy that, Lloyd, yeah. There's several that – Bruce Pearl probably deserves. All right, real quick. You got about 10 seconds. Give me one word answer, T.O. Who wins the Koozie Award? Five. I don't know, dude. You can't do that to me. You can't do that to me. Two, one. Gillespie. We are live. It is a field of 68 after dark. This <laughs> We're on Sirius XM Channel 84, the ESPNU station. We are streaming on YouTube. If you're watching right now, please jump in that chat. Ask us questions. We will be answering them every break. And if you're Coach Pro, you might be answering them before we come out of break, too, as well. That's why you heard that Gillespie jump in there. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the Big 12 Conference, uh, kind of big picture here. And I want to start with Baylor. We just watched them uh, struggle a little bit 
with this West Virginia team who is good, uh, but they really haven't landed the wins to kind of prove how good they are. Um, Kansas is coming off of a loss as well. But before we get into like kind of big picture stuff, I do want to talk about Baylor. T.O., how concerned are you with this group? Should Baylor fans be worried? I was concerned until I watched them play tonight. And then they just kind of battled and gritted through it. And James Akinjo, who's battling through a, an ankle injury, and then they, they started a guy who played at Fairmont State last year. They started a guy that played at Fairmont State. Now, Bonner's a good player, but he still is a Division II player last year, and he started against the West Virginia team whose guard play can score. Tash Sherman, Sean McNeil, those guys can score. They still found a way to win defensively. They still tried to keep up, but – they gave up 77 points. That's not going to be typical when Cryer gets back. And some of the – who's the other guy out? Sorry, but brain fart of the century. Adam Flagler. Adam Flagler. Adam Flagler out. out. Yeah. So, like, they didn't guard, like, and they didn't handle the ball probably like they would. But it, it's it's a Baylor team once they get healthy, I think. Guys, this is a deep run NCAA tournament team once again because they have all those pieces. But they do have to be healthy. That's a huge part of it, obviously. Yeah, without question, man. I, I I like Baylor. I mean, you look – I know we look at those two home losses uh, in conference, and if you're going to win a conference regular season championship, man, you hate to give away two at home. You try to – you know, your goal really is win all your home games, try to be – you know, in, in, in the Big 12 would be five and four or better on the road. Um, you know, I know they had the tough loss to Alabama, but Alabama's good. They're talented. And, and – the grit and toughness that Scott Drew has developed in this program over the last several years is what's keeping them going right now. And we're asking about, like, we're questioning Baylor right now or kind of floating out that question. And they're seven and two in one of the best one, two, top one or two leagues in the country. You know, maybe, you know, top three league in the country. And, and they got a huge one, though, in Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday. But, you know, hopefully the great thing about playing in Mo on Monday in the Big 12 is like we were talking about the dog days we're going to talk about a little bit later. Man, Baylor may not come come back for a legit practice till Thursday. I mean, they may have Tuesday and Wednesday off where it's treatment, recovery, some small individual workout groups and really rest and recover with the treat with the trainer and with the strength coach and really try to get, you know, really try to get healthy for Allen Fieldhouse. So I, I want to ask you guys this because I don't know if this is a hot take, but I feel like there is not – you can make an argument that there's not an elite team at the top of the Big 12 right now. And I hear what you're saying with the injuries with uh, with with Baylor, T.O., um, but it's kind of – we haven't seen Baylor be that team for like a month probably, probably like a month or so, right? Um, so I am a little bit worried about them, whether or not they can kind of get back there. Uh, and then Kansas – I don't know if I could trust a team that doesn't have a great point guard and a Bill Self team that doesn't also have a five man that that we can figure out an answer to. So uh, is that am I, is it crazy to say that the the Big Twelve has a whole bunch of teams that are just just good? They don't have any great teams in that league. My off base. I think you have some great players that can turn you into great teams on a certain night. Yeah, like uh, Ochai Abaji, like he can turn you into a great team because he can go for forty. Like Texas Tech can have a great game defensively and really tear down anybody they play against because they're that. Now, are they going to be great every single night? I'm not sure about that. I think that's a that's a plausible point. Now, Baylor, that ball's not popping like it was at the beginning of the season. And that ball's not popping like it did last year. There's a lot of high ball screens, a lot of 
what what is it horns horns actions that they're bringing people up and all that like there's a lot more dribbling uh here especially today because without the guard play they kept it in Akinjo's hands a lot more uh, the ball's just not popping as much you want Matthew Meyer to be able to attack off catches he hasn't been getting that opportunity quite as much but to go along with what you said I'm not sure there is uh Texas is not there uh TCU is obviously they've They've turned into a good team, not a great team. Kansas, good team, not great team. But same time, guys, Kansas only has one loss in conference. So it's not like we're it's and not we're, seven, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs. Three. Yeah, yep. we're splitting hairs here. Let, let's be clear. They're still a very good team, but they're not an overly dominant team like we're expecting a Kansas team to be. But on a given night, Christian Brown and Ochai Abaji can turn you into that great team. Yeah, and you can pick holes in every single team in the top 10 yeah. or 12 in college basketball this season. Yeah. Just flat Absolutely. out. That's just, that's just the year yeah. that it is. Yeah, if you took the top 20 teams in a country and you threw them on a neutral floor with Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas, you know, who are you taking? And I, I, I'm not going to, you know, go Auburn, go Houston, all that. But just, you know, if you think of it that way, you know, Kansas didn't play great, you know, Saturday against Kentucky. So now everybody's kind of reevaluating them you know, from that standpoint, but, you know, they played really well. They beat a good Texas tech team at home. The thing you said, Rob, I think is the biggest point point guard play and bill self's team needs a five man to be dominant around the rim. And McCormick's got to make huge strides, the back end of the conference play. Um, that's a huge game in Ames tomorrow night. It's a big game for Iowa state, you know, but it's also Kansas is usually at their best when they've played their worst and they are yeah. going to be dialed in Iowa state's going to get their best shot against Kansas, but Iowa state will be ready. I'm sure as well. The environment will be crazy. It's a huge game for both teams, Kansas. The thing they got to look at when they're thinking about, cause they're thinking about, Hey, I want to win a big 12 championship. If they win tomorrow night in Ames and they come home and beat Baylor, man, they can separate, get about a two, two game, game separation. And that's huge going down the stretch. Yep, uh, that's actually a perfect segue because I did want to talk a little bit about that Kentucky-Kansas matchup, CEO. Um, I think that I think that it said a lot more about Kentucky yeah. than it did about Kansas, just big picture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and it showed the depth of their starting five. Like, their fifth option can go and have a 27-8 and eight rebound game. And the, the amount of attention that Oscar Sheboy attracts – like there was a couple of times they're boxing him out with two people. Keon Brooks ended up with five offensive boards because there's so much focus and attention going towards Sheboy and he's still getting 15 boards, which is absurd in and of itself. Like that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. They bounce off this man. Like he's the Hulk. It's insane. <laughs> but uh, credit also guys, like we, we didn't talk about this the other day. Kellen Grady defended his butt off defended his butt off. He chased Ochai Baji off those screens. He was outside shouldering him, making him drive. And then you have help inside with Shibway waiting on him. Like he did a terrific job. That was a senior. That was a very good college player, knowing how to play basketball off the ball defensively. Like he put on a clinic really of how to you know chase I, through he, screens and get in front. You know what I loved about it? He he's a dude that's known for his offense, is known right. for his shooting, that is going to Kentucky to try to showcase that. And he just sacrificed pretty much everything that he was doing offense. I think he only took like four or five shots. He was like, you know what? My my job is to make sure that that dude has a bad day. And Oshai finished four for 14 with 13 points. From yeah. that's that that's you need guys like you need guys that are willing to sacrifice the stuff that everyone loves doing 
to be able to do the stuff that you need to be able to win. Yeah, no question, especially if you want to continue to grow and play deep in the March, because everybody will get rewarded. Everybody will get rewarded at the end of the day. But, you know, when you really break down that, that kind of stat sheet from that game, when you go into Allen Fieldhouse and you out-rebound them by 12, and part of that, again, goes back to they're playing small ball. Sometimes they're playing five guards with Wilson at the five or, you know, mm-hmm. Lightfoot's a smaller five, man. But they only turned it over nine times. Kentucky turns it over nine times, and Wheeler and Tata, they get 13 assists combined. I mean, that, those are huge, huge numbers, um, you know, on the road. 19 I mean, assists yeah. on 31 baskets so, from Kentucky. You, you've played, you've coached a, a team in Fog Allen Fieldhouse, what, like six, I think six times in your career. Five how, times. How, how impressive, <laughs> how, well, they, I mean, you got to win. I think yeah. Bill Self has lost. 16 times now he's 286 and 16 in that building i don't know if i've ever seen somebody go in there when that place was full packed to the brim with eighteen thousand fans go there go in there and do that right like yeah. you just you don't do that to kansas in that building well the last time was uh and i and i don't know when was the texas game you know a couple years ago was it that was, the COVID? It was during covid was yeah there COVID were 2000 fans there were you only know 2, and so fans. that's you know that's 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 a little bit different but you don't do that in Allen Fieldhouse. I know Arizona State went up there with Hurley a while back and, and played extremely well. But Allen Fieldhouse, that environment, when that, when, that, when that music starts playing and Paul Pierce is on the Jumbotron and <laughs> you're looking around there, man. I mean, Snoop Dogg like, makes an appearance. There's a whole lot of going. There's a whole lot going on there at uh, when they got Fog the money Island. guns out there, the stripper yeah. pole showing you, up. That was just the most audacious thing I've ever seen. So yeah, I, I love that. Was that was I loved every bit of it. It was just I, like, in, oh, we're we're in trouble, NCAA. We're in trouble. We're gonna bring Snoop Drop, Snoop Dogg, and a money gun out. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> so, sorry, yeah. sorry, Steve. I, yeah, 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 I need to have a straight face right now. Um, yeah. the, uh, but no, the funny, the one quote that Self said that was funny at the end of the game. I think I read this right. Was with Keon Brooks, you know, he, he coached the under 19s or whichever team that was. And he was like, man, you must've been really mad. I cut you, you know, um, <laughs> you know, so, but the one thing about self, we know they'll be ready to go now that to Tuesday tomorrow. Now I don't know if they'll win or not, um, but they'll be hey, ready. But hey, I, you I just, want, you, you want to know why you don't want to be in those practices on Sunday or Monday after that butt whooping that they just took. No, no, I just, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'd never, I would have never dreamed that was coming. You know, if you would ask me who's winning that game, I thought Kansas, they're coming off the Texas Tech game. I thought, man, they're, they're going to win this game. Uh, obviously, Kentucky, man, showed a lot of moxie going in there, but there's nobody better after a loss than self. And none. You know, yeah. but McCormick, man, they got to get something from David McCormick. You know, Braun, you know, Baji, you know, Wilson. It's it's those two spots you talked about, especially yep. McCormick, you know, because yep. Harris the, is solid. You know, he's just he's going to be solid across the board. You know, Remy's Remy, but it's McCormick, man. If he can come on like he did the back end of last year, then they can be who they think they who everybody wants them to be. Yep, it's the bookends of a starting five. The point guard and the center spot are the ones that you need. But listen, we got to head to break here. Coming up next, we're going to take you through what should be one of the wildest nights in college basketball on Tuesday night. Clear for 90. 
All right, we got a couple more. I couldn't help questions. myself. I couldn't help myself. Couldn't oh, it was so myself. good. It was it was perfect. <laughs> exactly exactly what we needed. Hey, We're here's this co- here's We're this commercial live. for Fana, the X chair. We need to get him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got a a question from uh, Adam in the chat. If you're in the YouTube chat right now, one, hit that like button, and two, uh, drop a question in the chat. I will ask these guys. First and foremost, if you have the same roster on a neutral floor and one of the team is coached by Chris Beard and the other one is coached by Mark Adams, who are you betting on to win? I'm going to you first on that one. That's a tough question. Probably Beard because he's well. I, no, I don't know. Man, that what if you have the exact same one, like the exact same roster for up and down? They both won it at such a high level. That's an impossible question. That's an impossible. <laughs> I don't understand like where I would like who would get the benefit of the doubt there. That must be here's, a Texas here's, Tech fan. If it's a Texas Tech fan, Mark Adams. If yeah. it's a Texas fan, Chris Beard. I I don't know how you answer that. Yeah, they're Here, they're both they're both elite coaches. I mean, elite. You know, now, if you ask the question of who do you want to coach one game for you, you know, that, you know, probably say Bill Self, you know. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. I think what it comes down to is which coach 20. gets the, the real players and which one gets the clones. Because we know what the real players are. You don't know what the clones are going to end up being. Right. Ten. So if you have the same roster, no, you don't know. No, no one's picking up what I'm putting down. All right. I'm just going to move on. Coming back from break now. Three. I'm lost. <laughs> Two. We're back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live right now on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We're streaming on YouTube. We're streaming on Twitter. If you are watching on either of those apps, please jump in the chat. Leave a question. We will be answering those on the Field of 68 After Dark Afters coming up as soon as we're done being on Sirius XM. Make sure you hit that like button. All that stuff really does help us uh, in the channel. It helps us grow it a little bit. I want to ask you guys this, because you both played and coached basketball at a high level. Tomorrow's February 1st. Tomorrow's kind of when we get into the dog days of the college basketball season. And at least for me, when I get into this point of the calendar, it's kind of like, all right, you know, I'm fired up for these big games, but, you know, can we, can we get to the tournament? Can we get to conference tournament weekend can we get to championship week can i get to that tuesday where i can turn on the tv at noon and watch a nine uh nine twelve game um in the big east tournament start tipping off can we get back into this situation where we have 14 hours of basketball on every single day that's what i'm looking forward to when you're in the moment when you're playing what is it like steve uh when you kind of get into february and get into the meat of the conference season you know, I was joking with you guys off air. It depends on the kind of season you have. And you have a great year. It's the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. If, if your team, if you're struggling, uh, you're trying to figure out ways, you know, to get your team going and back. But also, I think it's, do you have an experienced team or a young team? You know, from that standpoint, I think you got to coach your team towards your, towards your older guys from a standpoint of, you know, keep them fresh, keep them mentally ready to go. Uh, but I think one of the toughest things like you touched on, as you get to this point, is not letting guys get a little loose, you know, because you're trying to get to the tournament. You know, you're trying to get to the conference tournament to keep their focus. And T.O. and I were talking off air. You see a lot of younger players really make strides over the Christmas break. You know, they're off school four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. There's no more 8 a.m. class, you know, to study hall, to 10 a.m. class. You know, it's – wake up, go to the gym, get treatment, practice, get some extra shots. And so they make strides. But the teams that can continue to improve, 
you know, continue to work, continue to stay focused. Those are the teams because you can't get, you can't settle. You got to continue to grow and get better. Um, but I think if you're winning, um, the more you can rest your guys, the more you can stay focused uh, on, on just the prep piece. Because when, once you get to February, Tio knows this, you know what North Carolina is going to run. You know what Rutgers is going to run. You know, you need to just be good at what you do. Yeah, and that's obviously coming from a coach perspective. From a player perspective, it, it, that's when your work shines through or end of January, early February. Like if you're still working hard during those times, your game's going to show. This is when a lot of guys go into slumps because it's easy to work in the preseason because there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of stuff you're looking forward to. You're going to be the starter. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Is your work continuing as the year goes on? And that was a big point of pride for me whenever I was still playing. I, I was going to maybe have a bad game, but I'd roll off two or three in a row right after that because I continued to maintain my work throughout the entire season. And that's when you see guys separate themselves, especially from a statistical perspective. Guys aren't going to fall off the wagon because that work continues to go all the way through. And there's going to be guys fall off as well. So you kind of wait because this is the point where you haven't quite started talking about uh, conference tournaments. You haven't quite started talking about NCAA. Well, people have talked bubble because they talk about it the whole year. But I think for the most part, you know, this is the time where it's the monotony of everyday life of basketball, the monotony. Are you willing to embrace the monotony of every single day coming in and getting your work in when you have your first exam coming in at the, at the end of January? Like that's a huge portion of it. Like you got, you got regular school life too. Everybody's back. People are starting to get sick because they're bringing a sickness back from Christmas, right? Like, are you still able to uh, maintain uh, your work? And I think that was a big thing. That was a point of pride for me. And that's the reason I was able to have some good games during my time in college because yeah. the work never stopped. The, great the, the other big thing is yeah. when the, when the students get back on campus, all of a sudden, you know, when you're, when you're the only ones there, it's very easy to not get distracted on a Saturday night to mm -hmm. not have to think like, Oh, Friday night. Well, there's this frat party down the street. And I know that girl that I got a crush on is going to be down there. You know, if there's not there, you, the people that live down the hall from you being like, Hey, you want to come over? We're having a beer pong tournament kind of a thing. So you lose, you lose that when everybody else is home for break and you're the only ones on campus. Now everybody's back. It's winter. It's time. It, it's college, man. It's, it, you think it, they're having a beer pong tournament in Raiderville tonight? Oh, yeah. I think Jeff Goodman's <laughs> losing that beer pong tournament in Raiderville right now. You know, the one thing I'll say to all the great players that I've been around or watched work or coached, just like T.O. to second at, they, you may practice at three or two, but they've already been in the gym, nine to 945. They've already gotten their work. They've gotten their treatment. They've gotten their stretching. They've done their band workout. They've gotten their shots up. Uh, they understand the business side of it. They understand the professionalism side of it. Um, that, that's just, it's the mentality of the great players. I would always come back late at night because it was around the same time that we would play games yeah. because that was a big portion of it to me. I wanted to be at the same time of day shooting, working out that we would be playing. So I would always come back late at night. Yep. And Tio, I bet he probably had a guy, a manager on call. Hey, John, meet me there. Boom, seven o'clock. And he's there, mm -hmm. and they rebound and rebound and rebound and rebounding and getting mm -hmm. shots up. But that's that's what makes the difference. You know, Manager you, and Tony and Tony you, Oglesby, rest in peace. To my dad, he would he would drive up from Atlanta two hours to come rebound for me three times a week. That's that's a true yeah. story. That yeah, that's, that's awesome. good stuff that's there. Awesome. That is great stuff. Well, listen, we have a great slate of basketball games tomorrow. We have 
Alabama at Auburn. We have Kansas at Iowa State. And of course, we have Texas at Texas Tech. We will be breaking all of that down tomorrow night on the field of 68 after dark. But this is the end of our show tonight on Sirius XM channel 84. So for Terrence Oglesby, for Coach C. Prome, my name is Rob Doster. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And it's time for the afters, fellas. It is time for the Field of 68 After Dark Afters. Uh, by the way, the lines are now out at Bet Rivers. Texas Tech is favored by five and a half in a game Oof. where the total is 120. Uh, I, I don't know how you can not take Texas Tech in this spot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the line would need to be. Uh, Greg, I don't know if your, your um, audio is working right now, but I don't know. You could just text me if you want. I don't know what I would need the line to be to actually take Texas on the road in this spot. I don't think that there's a number that you could give me where I would want to be on the Texas side. What's Just the spread? Five and a half. Five, five and a half. I would I, say I eight and a half. Now, eight and a half, nine, I would start to consider. I, yeah, I don't think – I just don't think I would – Unless you want to say, like, I'm going to give you 25 points. Okay, yeah, then I'll take Texas and 25 points. But any, like, reasonable line that will show up at Bet Rivers at any point, I, I don't think that I can be on the Texas. I just – it's going to be a bandsaw when you walk in there, man. I, I, it's going to be insane. Yeah, but Prom's, Prom's taking money line Texas. So, like, what are we talking about here? And he's the only one who's been there. We haven't been there. I haven't been in the Big 12 arenas. He's been there. Man, love it. We – um. We won there twice, 2017 and 19, and it was wild. I mean, it was wild. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let it's me a ask great you guys place this. to play, though. It it is. It, it is. is great. It's become like one of the top venues to go to. It, you know what's great about it? It's not. It's not too big, right? No, no, it's no. small. They're on top you. of you too now. Yep. They're on top of you behind the bench. There, the students are right there on top of you. Last year, you know, I mean, it's it is going to be. I'll, I'll I'll tell you this about the Texas Tech fans too. Those guys travel. I, I think I made this point. We're, I, I don't know if it was on Saturday night with UTO on After Dark, but yeah, it was. It was in 2018, the first year that Beard like made that tournament run when he got into the Elite Eight. They played yeah. in that the regional in Boston when Villanova was there. I think they played Purdue in the first round. Purdue travels like crazy. That is another like really passionate, really really intense fan base and in boston in boston garden there were more texas tech fans than purdue fans in the sweet 16 they advance take on villanova the year that villanova is winning their second national title in three years that was the year they had jalen brunson omari spellman dante divincenzo mikhail bridges all of those dudes they were loaded they were the best team in college basketball everybody knew it and uh in boston garden in boston garden which is like a three-hour drive from philadelphia from the main line uh, it was probably like 65, 35 Texas Tech fans. And they wow. were loud and they were crazy. And they showed up in their cowboy hats and their cowboy boots. And it was just, it, it was a, it was a nonstop party. And here, here's my other favorite thing that Chris Beard did for that event. He, um, they brought, they travel with like three speakers that are the size of like a, a, a filing cabinet. You know, the one, like the big metal aluminum ones with the, the drawers that you pull out. He would have three speakers that were that size that would all plug into one phone. And everywhere that they go, they are playing music that is just unbelievably loud to the point where it's like when you walk down the hallway next to it, you got to cover your ears. And they would be doing this in the hallway, warming up while 
Villanova is out there on the court getting their practices, and you could hear every word of every song that was played on the court while they are warming up in the hallway. They're not warming up in the locker room. They are warming up in the hallway, waiting to get on the floor to get their practice in before the Elite Eight game. And all Villanova is hearing is like, I think at that point it was when Old Town Road was big. So they're playing like Old Town Road in the hallway, getting <laughs> out there. I like and, that. And, and here's my other favorite part about it. And I'm sorry that I'm going on this rant about it, but what Chris Beard did is he had a rule where it was like, players get three songs on the playlist yeah, and then the coaching yeah. staff gets one song. So you would have, you would have like old town road and then you'd have Waylon Jennings. And it was just, <laughs> it, was, it was just such a dichotomy of the two, the, the, the different styles of music. I, I just, I, I love, that's when I was like, okay, I want to, I, I love what this, this program is about. Yeah. I, there's one thing I think you've got to put into perspective or into play for this Texas, Texas tech game tomorrow night. Those guys have won in Lubbock. And I know the crowd is going to be nuts, okay? But the crowd is – the environment was good. Last, Andrew Jones has won there. Courtney Ramey has won there. Uh, Feb- Febris has won there. Cunningham has won there. Them guys have won there. They should have swept them last year. You know, Shaka mm-hmm. had them rolling COVID year. You know, uh, so those guys, like, they're not going into a place that they don't think they can win or hadn't won. You know, they've just got to handle the the craziness early, you know, and then they can't turn it over. I mean, honestly, yeah. if you go on a quick little like 8-0 spurt at the beginning and kind of get that crowd under control and you yeah. can keep them at bay, you you have a chance to to go in there and win yeah. it. I just yeah. I just think that they're like if they get down early or any 6-0 run is going to bring the, 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 the ceiling down. Well, so, I think Beard, Scott Drew does a great job with this, and he did this in Hilton all the time. He would use four timeouts in the first half mm-hmm. just, just so it wouldn't get wild. And he's just trying to get to the last four minutes of the second half. And you could see Beard maybe do that tomorrow night. I don't I don't know his thought process on that, but I hope it's that's a good that's game. That's interesting. You know, I hope it's a good game. I, I, I think it's going to be a more entertaining environment than it is uh, an entertaining basketball game. All right, let me ask you guys this. We do have some questions in the chat. Uh, the first one comes from Andrew. Uh, how many bids are going to come from the Big 12 this season? What do they have? They got 10 in the league. Six or seven. I mean, I would assume six or seven. You know, eight's so, the hot we- take right now when you look at Lenardi because you're saying Oklahoma and TCU and, and West Virginia. You know, the only ones you're saying not right now is K-State, Oak State. It'll be interesting to, as this season goes on, can they maintain eight? There's no question they're getting at least six. It's going to be seven or eight, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now on our uh, – so we hit, we did the first episode of Fielding the 68, which goes live Monday, 6 o'clock Eastern time, and Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern time. They have Baylor as a one seed, Kansas as a two seed, Texas Tech as a three seed, uh, they have Iowa State as a six seed, Texas as a seven. Um, TCU is an eight seed for them. Yep. Then we have Oklahoma and West Virginia are the two, are seven and eight right now. Yeah. Can so they get they, in? They have hey, Oklahoma. TCU has been a pleasant surprise, man. Really good. Like, I really like I really like Emmanuel Miller, the Texas yeah. A&M transfer, like six, yeah. eight, undersized four, like tough as shit, man. Play yeah. And then yeah, Damian Ball. He's averaging 19 points a game. This was going to be one of my cheers. 19 points a game. They're three and one. He's averaged 19 points in those three wins, the Memphis transfer. 
Hey, he's a point yeah. guard, right? He's a point guard, right? <laughs> I see what you did there, T.O. You know what's yeah. funny? Yeah. You know what's you funny like about that? that? Yeah, I was I was literally trying to make the same joke when you just butted in and and dude, I ruined that shit for you. I, I've ruined yeah. it for you the past couple of shows. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah, I just, just jumped right in front of it. Yeah, you, you took my Jeremy Roach line the other night. Um, I know, but long I know. long long story short, uh, our our guys, our bracketologists have our consensus right now is eight teams from the Big Twelve uh, getting into the NCAA tournament. All right, we got another question. This one is from Aaron. It's for uh, it's for you, Steve. Um, who was the best junior college player that you ever watched or evaluated? Oh, I'm glad you asked this one. I'm, I'm curious. Oh, man. Junior college player. You dabbled in JUCO at Murray State, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Uh, the best junior college player I coached at Murray State, a kid named Jarvis Williams. He was great for us. He was on my – he was a senior my last year. Um he, he was, he was the big guy on that campaign team, right? That's yeah. He was the big kid on the, on the, uh, on the campaign, you know, team. We, you know, they had a great, great, you know, run, um, man, I, I don't know. You know, we've junior college. I give me a second. I may come back to that. I don't know if T.O. saw somebody he can. No, I don't know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'll right, tell you what, the while... Juco kid, the Juco kid that's playing pretty well for Louisville L Ellis. He's pretty good. Like he's, yeah, he's now we player. recruited Their him. Team hard. Is not he's great. a good player. We recruited him hard yeah. at Iowa State, um, and he's a good player. You know, and the good thing about him now, he's just a sophomore. You know, he's gonna have two more, two mm-hmm. more years uh, from that standpoint. But I think who, you gotta who, have a balance. We just though. we just don't know who he's playing for. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think if you can get a good balance, a good high school, good transfer, good junior college, that's the that's the best best recipe. Um, all right, I got another one for you. This is coming from. Uh, Trevor and Bryce down in Dallas, Texas right now. Um, T.O., who is your favorite announcer to listen call a game? You know who I, I – to I really enjoy uh, John Fanta, 1A, first of all, mm-hmm. for anything the legend. else. The, the, the legend, legend, John, John Fanta. Fanta. A guy that I really enjoy listening to uh, as a color commentator, I really enjoyed John Crispin because he really, he really goes Jersey second guy. level. South South Jersey, he, lives, he lives like ten minutes. He lives like ten minutes away from me. We both go yeah, to the same I think local I, Tex-Mex spot. Yeah, I I think he does a really really good job diving into the second level and still keeping it relatable to where the casual fan can understand what and follow him. And then, uh, you know, who's the who's the gentleman out of the Midwest who does uh, the Cubs? Um, gosh, he's one of the best uh, play-by-play guys out there. What's his name? He does some oh, games with Hummel. John? No, no, not Scamby. Scamby's good too. Scamby, and obviously Hummel's great. But I'm mean, talking about mean, the. You mean Shiambi? Yeah, Benetti. Benetti. You mean you mean you mean Book Shiambi? Who's Scamby? It's Shiambi. John. <laughs> Who said Scamby? John. I just said John. I just said John. I. No, I mean, hey, th- there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of good ones. There's there's yeah. some ones that I don't enjoy so much, but I'm not going to do that. But we, we don't. Uh, I we don't have to go down that road. No, but Benetti Benetti is really good. I think uh, I think Crispin to me, he's somebody who makes it relatable. He's somebody who works the truck really well to get exactly what he wants. Uh, I was actually sitting in the production room uh, whenever Carolina came down to play Clemson. I was the assistant director of that game. And I was communicating back and forth from ESPN to campus because everything was on campus last year. And I got to see how he interacted back and forth 
with the truck. And that actually helped me a lot with how I can manage that stuff. So I really enjoy listening to him and I think he does a good job of keeping it relatable. So Crispin yeah. for me. He's really, he's opinionated and he's not afraid to kind of go out on a limb. He's not afraid right. to, to criticize someone. And I, I do enjoy that. I don't think that he goes too far either. Um, mm -hmm. I think Fran Fraschella is the best color. Yeah, color he's commentator. great. Great. Cause yeah, he, no he, uh, Fran on the big 12 is better than anybody is the best that there is mm -hmm. Fran calling big 12 games. Cause he'll know the stories. He'll have players. Yeah. That's why I'm remember, surprised he's not in Lubbock. Yeah. You know, tomorrow night. Who's calling that game? You should, I don't know. You, you should you should ask him about about that. He uh, I don't, I don't know. I he's got the Kansas. I'll, 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 I'll tell you. Right. I'll I'll tell you guys why when it's when it's not rolling. I don't want to. I'll I'll tell you. <laughs> but yeah. uh, he, anyway, the thing about Fran 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 just being in the league and knowing him, he is invested in that league. Yes, you know, and that's really cool. I I, I like the strategy of that to where hey. You know, when I think Fran Fertilla, I think the Big 12. When I think Jimmy Dykes, I think the SEC, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, Jimmy's great. Jimmy's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like great. Jimmy a lot. Yeah. I like Jimmy a lot. I'm just um, glad he stopped doing that stupid Jimmy's Jet thing. Get, well, it's get supposed to Jimmy. come. Get, I hate to break your news, but I was watching him the other night, and they said it's coming next week. So, no, don't watch on, Super Jimmy. Tuesday then. Uh, it may Jet come tomorrow to night go. during the Auburn, Alabama What game, is that, so. Jimmy's Jet? What did he do? You know, he's got the, the first people in first class. You know, Kentucky's in first class. Auburn's in first class. Gonzaga's in first class. Wow. And then, man, we got, you know, Oklahoma and West Virginia in coach right now. You know, we got to. My, my thing with that is, like, Jim, he, he's he's good enough that he doesn't need the gimmicks. Yeah. Just tell me what you see happening, man. Like, wait, you yep. don't you don't need the gimmicks. You're, you're yep. good enough that you can yep. you can talk through a game. And I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. In uh, honor I of Fanta, man, Bill Raftery. Yeah, yeah, of course. Legend. Of course. But like that's of course. that's that's obvious. Like Raft and and uh and Dick Vitale, like those are just they're legends of the game, they're great promoters for the game, yeah. they are great uh when it comes to kind of um being ambassadors for college basketball. Like yeah. yeah. Dicky V, like the, the and when it comes to calling a game and breaking it down, like that's not that's not that's him. Not what he does, that's not him he's the anymore, he's the like, energy, he's the energy, he's the energy. Like, he's, he's the energy, and the same thing with Raft, like. Those guys are just, they love the sport so much that it is impossible to watch them and not be like, all right, yeah, I'm fired up too. And I understand that people kind of get frustrated with Dickie V and like the cliches and all that. But, but look, the man loves college basketball more than anybody else on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also happened to raise like a billion dollars for cancer research. And he's doing, he's, he's like 85 years old and he's still a literal billion, a literal yeah. billion. Yeah. He's got the the thing I love about Dick Vitale, and I've been a fan of his forever, he came and did our bracket buster my first year at Murray State. We played St. Mary's. And he treated that game like it was Carolina Duke. Mm -hmm. He surfed in the stands. He went and ate afterwards. He danced with the cheerleaders. I mean, he put on a show. And that, that's what, to me, spoke volumes about Dick Vitale and who he is. The other guy that uh, – I was going to say we we didn't mention that uh, slipped my mind. Now I'll come back to it. But there was somebody that we had skipped I, over. I love oh. I love Hummel. I love Hummel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, he, of course. I didn't so even think smart. about him. He's so relatable. Um, he ha he has absolutely no ego, like at yeah. all. I, I the, the dude needs more of an ego than anything else. Like he needs to hang out with Goodman more and let some of Goodman's ego rub off on him. Yeah, um, Brett Musburger. <laughs> Brett Musburger to me, like, um. 
you know, I grew up on the, you know, and obviously he doesn't do it now, but man, when I first got into big 12 and you walk out there as a younger coach and you got Brett Musburger on your big Monday game, you're like, damn, you know, this is pretty awesome. And, hey, this you know, is you, a this is this is a local one, but Bob Rathbun, who does the Hawks well, stuff, he, yeah, a lot if of you, ACC. If you, but if you I grew love up Bob on Raycom, I mean, didn't you? I mean, he had yeah. Raycom Sports over there, HCC country. You, you know him. Uh, yeah, he he. It's funny enough. Like uh, I met Bob at a golf tournament this summer, and we've kind of struck up a nice relationship. But man, what a nice person! And and he, uh, man, you want to talk about somebody who has a grip on everything else too. Like he is fantastic and he does a phenomenal job with the Hawks still and does a ton of, does a ton of games around. He does college stuff now as well. And, and he's just, he's a pros pro and he, he's been doing it for a long time. There's, there's so many people in the industry, but Bob, Bob's one of my favorites. Yeah. I like Eric, Eric a right now, real quick, real quick, Eric a right now in the chat, this one cracked me up. I just wanted to see if anyone was saying anything in the chat about this. And he just said, imagine if raft, instead of saying onions said, Vidalias. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that joke. Yeah, we got to, we got to get the puppies organized in here. We got a Bob Euchre, uh, for brewers radio. Anyway, let's get to, uh, let's get the three cheers guys. Um, and get out of here. You guys uh, go ahead. You guys night. go first on this one. Yeah, Prom, you go, man. You go. What do you got for me? Um, can I do two or just one? I, I know the rules. Do two. Are two. Do two. Okay. We, I love it. First, Damian Ball at TCU. You know they've won three of the last four. Four, excuse me. They had a huge win at Oklahoma. They beat LSU. They won at Iowa State. You know, obviously Texas handled them pretty good. But in their three out of four games that they've won, their three and one stretch, Damian Ball. 19 points a game, right around 19 points a game he's averaging. He's been huge. But also, I text uh, Murray State. Only two teams in the country right now have 20 wins. Okay, they got their 20th win. And you can talk about League A, B, C, and D. If it's not February 1st and you got 20 wins, you're doing something right. There's no question about that. And them and Auburn are both 20. And I think, what is Auburn, 20 and 1? Murray mm-hmm, State's mm-hmm. 20 and two. And so they're just team to watch down the stretch. So three Coach cheers Mahan. to the racers and to Damian Ball. What do you hey, got? What do you got, Tio? Hey, hey Mac Mahan, East Tennessee guy, Oak Ridge High School, right down McMahon. the road from Knoxville. Oh, McMahon. yeah. Mac, McMahon, sorry. <laughs> he recruited me when he was at App State, when he was working for Houston Fancher, another East yeah. Tennessee guy, neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, this, this cheer is going to John Fanta because he big timed us tonight. But he big time just for a good reason. He's he's eating dinner and drinking some red, I'm sure, with uh, Raftery. And he's got a big game tomorrow. I'm happy that he's starting to get the recognition he deserves after a spectacular call with Providence and Marquette. Man, he has done awesome. And he's only freaking 26 years old. Will John Fanta, get- <laughs> there's to you, sir. Will he make the donut run tonight, man? Last time we, <laughs> Last time we were on, man. My man <laughs> snuck the Krispy Kremes, man, on camera. <laughs> so, oh, fancy. no wine, oh. just 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 donuts. <laughs> yeah, anyway, <laughs> listen, mine goes out to Hunter Maldonado of Wyoming. He had 35 points and seven dimes tonight. Shot 12 for 19 from the floor. Wyoming picked up a massive win over Colorado State in the Mountain West standings. I believe that puts them, if I'm not mistaken, into <laughs> first place. Second, in the conference, second no Boise State, yeah, Boise yep. State's in there, and and here's the crazy thing: we might get, we might, we might get a four bid 
uh, Mountain West. And I hope we do. Boise State looks great. Wyoming now is 17 and 3, 6 and 1 uh, in the league. Colorado State yeah. should be good enough to be a uh, yeah. tournament team. And, then and San, San Diego, Diego State, State yeah. as long as did they mess up tonight against New Mexico? No, nah, they, they, they drilled New Mexico. Drilled them. All right, good. So uh, to Hunter Maldonado uh, yeah. and Wyoming, to Terrence Oglesby, to, t- uh, to Steve Prohm. To our producer, Greg Waddell, who's in the background reminding everybody about Jason Bonetti and telling us when it's time for us to uh, stop the After Dark Afters. So cheers to all of us. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark.